Welcome everyone. This is the Penciled In Podcast, the show where two working artists and creators chat with guests. I'm Ingrid. And I'm Lindsay. We're going to be discussing so many interesting subjects with you guys. Art, sketch cards, collecting, publishing, tools, materials, all sorts. Perhaps we can finally understand why we all do this to ourselves. Hey everyone, welcome once again to this snowy Canadian day. Today we are going to talk with Greg McLaughlin. He is host of the Rebel Base Guard podcast. Rebel Base Guard podcast, I'll learn to say that. Welcome to the show. You have done 115 episodes of your podcast so far. It's just incredible. What we're going to be talking all about all that stuff, just say welcome to the show. And uh, Lindsay? It's nice to meet you both. The first thing I would like to know, Greg, is how, how you got into collecting in the first place. I do like to know a little bit of history and background, how you got started, and where you got interested in, in cards. Sure. Um, I think as I've been, you know, everybody sort of has their forensic, collectors have this forensic, they're trying to put this together like something out of law and order where they're trying to figure out the exact time and date. Um, but what I would say is probably what has had a great deal of impact was the fact that um, the local pharmacy in our hometown, I come from a town that had one traffic light, um, but it had a pharmacy that sold, you know, comics and whatnot, kind of like a, you know, your typical five and dime. But um, apparently they were, they were pretty hip enough to put the candy at eye level that a kid about five or six uh, would see a lot of shiny packaging and candy and whatnot. Um, so when I look back at it now, probably some of the earliest cards that I remember getting, for some reason, I had the King Kong cards from 1976. Because um, I remember that big image of the big ape in New York and uh, the cards I know had a puzzle on the back. And I think like anything else, you know, whether it's a uh, football or baseball or King Kong or whatnot, you know, you'd, it's something cheap. It has some gum in it. So there's, you know, for a kid, you're like, I'm all in. But it was probably when Star Wars came out and the cards came out that I think after we saw the film, because we saw the film, uh, it did its initial run and then apparently it made it to the drive-in theaters. And that's when I saw it. It's probably in the summer of 77. Uh, my sister recently said, I think dad went and saw it first and said, you guys want to go see this. And my sister who's a little older than me is more of a, what was really into science fiction at that point. You know, she, she was, we were all just blown away. So then it was like anything Star Wars on it. And of course, one of the few things was the cards, you know, the, the Kenner figures didn't come till much later. And so the cards and comics, uh, which the pharmacy also had. And so, you know, once those cards, uh, once I kind of got a bunch of those cards and I think a couple series in, that's when I really started like, Oh, I really want to put together these puzzles. I really want to try to collect as many as I can. Um, that, you know, baseball also kind of came because baseball is right there. Football comes in right there. And so the two kind of go together for me. And so I collected probably pretty seriously until about the mid eighties uh, when I discovered comics and pretty much a good chunk of my cards took them to the comic store because we were card store because we were getting more card stores in the eighties, just because that the, the, the popularity cards were going in traded a good chunk of them, nearly all my baseball, you know, anything I had that wasn't just the original star Wars sets and, you know, empire and return of the Jedi and then switched on switched over to comics for several years. And then 
I lived, I, I still dabbled in baseball in the late eighties, um, lived overseas for a while. I was in the Pacific for about the nineties and, you know, went through the early prequels and came back. And I remember these, you know, these seeing Star Wars cards for the prequels and going, what is this whole wide business, wide vision business? This is not the, this is not what cards should look like kind of past. I wish I would have picked up a couple of boxes then. Um, but it wasn't really until, uh, and I always kind of like every now and then I'd pick up some baseball. And so there's a smattering of this, but it was really uh, the journey to the force awakens sets in 2015 when, you know, you go to like target or Walmart and you'd see those, you know, they were Tops was really doing a big deal then of, you know, like in retail of putting different, you had individual packs, you had hanger packs, you had, you know, blaster boxes. And I was, as you're, you're doing your runs and all of a sudden there you see, wow, there's cards. And they look like they're on the original, you know, blue star field, very heritage stock cards. And I'm like, yeah, I'm all in. I love this. It takes me back. And then, you know, like any good collector that starts back in, you collect as many as you can. And then you, you know, you don't realize later that you have tons of dupes, but, you know, whereas, you know, and that kind of got me, the juices flowing. I got the, I found my old cards. I put them in binders, you know, got pages out. And then, you know, one binder became 20 plus later, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, you know, and that kind of, that's kind of where the collecting was. It doesn't take much for me to collect something, anything that isn't nailed down, but there is something to cards. And then, you know, as we'll probably get into quite the education followed on cards then versus cards now and all the different things that uh, that are in them. So you're a pretty determined collector then uh, like, I mean, you, you, you're still into it, even though you have gotten into podcasting and, uh, and you have a day job, obviously, of course, but you, you, you're, you like to collect and you're going to continue to collect. Yes. Um, it's interesting that you do hit, you know, I think the best part of collecting is when you're getting back in because you have not hit critical mass. So you have all this extra space, which I wish I had now. But the one thing I think that you find over time is that there is a very shotgun approach when you're getting back in because you're very excited. Everything's on the table. Um, yeah, but what you realize, of course, is baseball. You know, some of these genres are much different. Baseball has hundreds more cards. You know, a set of flagship tops could be 900 cards or whatnot. And that's very hard to collect. Um, you know, a Star Wars set typically is 100 cards. You know, some of the some of the higher end ones aside. And then you have to factor in that there are now, you know, there are variants. There are, you have to figure out dupes. Do I want to keep them in a binder? Do I want to put them in a box? And, you know, you start to kind of, your collection starts to kind of refine itself. Do I want to collect characters? I know that's a big Marvel uh, thing because some of, the, some of them are hard to get. And, you know, it was easy in 2015, the Halcyon days as they were, because they were so more available. And then COVID happened. And then that's when it got, you know, I had been doing this for, I was in what my second year when COVID hit. And that's when a lot of things got kind of turned on its head and you really had to figure out, okay, things have changed. Prices have changed. Availability has changed. The attitude of collectors have changed, you know, and to some extent, I think I changed a bit in what I was going after um, because there wasn't anything out there and, you know, it, it was very interesting over the last couple of years. It's starting, I think, to refine itself or crystallize into what I'm interested in. But the last couple of years uh, versus the previous, uh, how amazing was that? 
How, how, how are you focusing in now? What have you narrowed it down to? And how did sketch cards get into it? I, I remember seeing blaster boxes uh, because at the very beginning, it was only retail. It was only anything I would ever find there. Even though I was collecting a lot, you know, I hadn't really discovered, you know, what I call the, the big three, you know, where you have your blowouts, Dave and Adams, uh, Steel City, uh, now Chicagoland Sports Cards, which is a really nice online one. They have a physical store near me. I, I didn't know much about hobby boxes at all. I had no idea about sketch cards. Um, although when you're getting back in, the first thing that caught your eye was autographs. You're going, oh, that's cool. I, I never, you know, like I can get an autograph <laughs> um, from a retail box. It happens. Um, but I think probably one of the things I enjoyed most, the, the, the Star Wars 40th anniversary uh, had film cells. And I think that I, I was lucky enough to pull one of those from a blaster box. And that was really, you know, that was really amazing because that was something very unique. Um, you know, the patch cards and medallion cards are, are kind of nice until you get about 20 of them. Then you're like, I can't put these in a binder. Where are they going to go? Um, but you get it. That's a special card for that. And if you want to chase those, you know, have at it. But I think I really began my education of sketch cards once I started the Instagram channel in 2019 and the podcast later on, because the artists are some of the first, you know, um, Ben Abasada, Mikey Babensky, um, Chris Penix actually was one of the very early people on, on the podcast. Uh, Cause that was right around the time that he was starting the living set. And I started to really grow an appreciation for sketch artists. And I know that at the C2E2 in 2019, I actually, I was doing a dry run because Celebration was later that spring. Same place, McCormick Place in Chicago. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to start off. I got my, my portable mic. Let's try to capture some audio. I'm classically trained in audio and video production. Let's, let's try this out. And I ran into um, a good friend of mine, Kyle, who had come to, come to be a good friend of mine online. And uh, he knew an artist because he likes um, doing these comic covers or getting these commissions done. He'll have his friend... Uh, or other people like do these, those blank comic covers. And then he would also try to go get the autograph of the actor who played those. And he's like, you need to meet this guy, Mikey Bubensky. You, you need to talk to him, get him on the show. And I think that's when I started understanding what you folks were doing and the work goes that, that was going into it. And the fact that everybody kind of had their own take on it and how they set up their studio and how they did this. And and I think once you kind of get grasp the idea of how hard these things are to not only get, but to produce, um, that's when you started going, oh, wow, let's, I really want to find more stories about this. Plus, I think the artists are underrepresented and under promoting themselves because, you know, you guys don't have a ton of time to spend, you know, just chilling yourself out there, but it is a necessary evil. When you look at the post and you see, hey, here's a, 200, 200 people who are in on this particular set and they're just names. And you're like, that's really great. Who's this person? I don't know this person. But now about three or four years later, you go, oh, when I look at a set and I see the checklist and why that isn't published more, I don't understand why I have to go through, you know, heaven and earth to try to find one of these things or, you know, get a screen grab. Now I can look through a set and go, oh, that's so-and-so. And that's, oh, good. They're on this one. They're on this one. This one. So that's, that's basically it. So I think the education continues. The books have been uh, amazing to see the, the art of uh, sketch cards uh, by Ingrid, but um, you know, and it's an ever evolving thing. So the more, the more I do this, the more I learn about it, 
and uh, it's fun to talk about. What, like, I was just leaving a little space in case Lindsay wanted to jump in. Um, how did that lead you, did, for the podcasting, how did you fall into that? Was it because of your collecting or was it a thing on your own? I started the Instagram page with an eye on doing a podcast. Okay, um, so like I said, I went to school. did how, always have an idea that you wanted to have a podcast Right. Was it, was it specifically um, uh, pushed by your love of collecting? Mm, here's, here's the thing. So I went to school for to I went to school really to do video, to, to produce video. Um, but I got a training in audio as well. And so back when I went to school, you know, the, they still had electricity then. But you edited audio on tape. We used quarter inch reel to reel decks. And your editing block, if you were editing audio, you basically had, you know, that they were two, you, know, you had your main reel that had your audio on it, and then you had a blank one, and then you had a block that had um, a little metal block that had a, a, like a little slash on it, and you'd actually take a razor blade and you would actually cut tape, and you would cut this audio together. Um, and that's well, how... Like the old days of uh, movies and stuff. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, like anything you've ever seen as far as like film editing blocks, very similar in that you know, you have these two and, and, you know, it goes across a playhead much like a cassette, you know, think of it as like a cassette and you could hear, you know, the whoop, whoop, and like that. And what you try to do is you would, you're basically listening instead of now you're looking at a waveform and you can see where the us and ums are, or you can see where the spaces are. If I need to take out this and this, you know, classically editing audio, you're listening, you know, you're listening to it and you're trying to you know, you've got one shot at doing this. Otherwise, you got to retape this back. And there's actually the reason why you cut it in an angle is when the two pieces of tape go together, you know, they hold together better if it's cut diagonally, then cut straight up and down. Otherwise, it's very easy when it goes across the playhead to split apart. And it's so like they actually quilting. make special tape. Quilting mm. is the same way when you make, but anyway, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but yeah. So that led you to, so obviously you have a big background and all of that. Yeah, I was, I, I, I was in my field for a long time, uh, for 10, 11 years. And like anything else, you, sometimes you have to change careers, but you know, the one thing that did teach me, whether it was, you know, producing audio or video, and I've done, I've done some blogging in the past. I'd done some YouTube video is, you know, I know how to very quickly and dirty do it. Like I, I can, you know, like I know the bare minimum, what it would take to get from X to Z and have enough of that knowledge, even be, even though the tools have changed. I knew like, all right, I tried a couple of podcast type episodes before and I knew like, okay, it takes, I have the tools for it. I can slap this together. I know my schedule working two jobs and everything else. Like, all right, I could probably get this done. And, you know, I worked in news before, so you can't, you can't watch an ambulance go past you without looking to see. And you're like, there's a story there. I need to go cover that. Um, so when I knew I was going to sell celebration, finally, when, you know, I was going to be, I was going to go, I'm like, I need to go, I, I need to cover this because there are people who can't go and I can give, you know, I can give at least a little bit of, um, of an aspect to it or, 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 or a take how that relates back into cards is that, well, I work at a place that mm, I can't really talk about that. Can't talk about that at all. What's the other thing I can talk a lot about cards. So you know, 
because there are, you know, there are tons of Star Wars podcasts. And, you know, I would flippantly say, as I started this, like the world doesn't need another Star Wars podcast. There are millions. I take that back and I would say, I mean, that saying, I want to know your particular take on Star Wars, because you have, you have a take that's very likely unique from somebody else's. Yeah. I want to hear that. That's what I'm kind of hearing. And so as far as cards, cards were something else that there are lots of baseball card podcasts, but there wasn't really any Star Wars card podcast. I'm like, aha, there's my niche. Now I am putting myself in a corner. Actually, uh, I'm putting myself next to the Golden Gate Bridge, but, but um, it's more interesting than the background. So that my audience is probably only, only going to be so big, right? You know, you, uh, if I don't get you in with the cards or talking about collecting or talking about community, okay, it's probably not your, your big game. But if we did kind of like the Venn diagram, I said, all right, if I wanted to go into like a Facebook group where there are cards, thousands of people and on a particular trading card one, that's a great, that's a great group, very active, very passionate. But I bet you there's a bigger group out there. And if you took like, all right, here's Star Wars fans, here's cards fans, Star Wars cards fans, you know, I'm hoping to kind of pick from a little bit of everything. And so that I want to talk about, I can talk about collecting, uh, but if I want to get an artist on, or if I want to get somebody who cosplays, or I want to get somebody like the latest episode, uh, David Merrick, who he works, he's a senior VP of marketing for a minor league baseball club in New Jersey. And so who's also an avid collector and, and uh, is kind of behind these trading card nights at the ballpark and, you know, trades in some Star Wars. And so it was a great thing. Like, hey, look, you know, hear me out. Take a listen to this. He's got a great story. Uh, it's fascinating to hear about this. It's an aspect of a little behind the scenes at baseball going, how does this work? They're affiliated with the New York Yankees. Well, how does that, you know, all interact? And I think what you end up finding is that there's a story there that people really would like to hear. And podcasting is such a passive activity. You're doing this usually while you're driving or while you're working on your art or you're at the office. Like I am, I listen to a lot of uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of different ones. And sometimes you're just wanting that kind of day to go on and you like hearing different things, you know, just to kind of break up the monotony of the day. And so that's the long litany. Can I go back a little bit and ask you sure. if you were, if you were wanting to set up your own podcast, um, what editing software would you suggest? Is there some that are better than others or a free ones good enough? What do you think? I've been very happy to see some of the free tools like Audacity keep improving. Um, I use it in my chain. Now, um, I do this on a Mac. And so there are some nice uh, pieces of software uh, for Macintosh. And uh, the software I mainly use is uh, from a company called Rogue Amoeba. And they do a product called Audio Hijack. And what that is, is that's a piece of software that'll capture audio from any source that's on the Mac, whether it's a Zoom call, whether it's something from Safari, uh, whether it's your microphone, whether it's from a Skype call, it can take any source, it can combine those. So, you know, what's nice about Audio Hijack is it has like this graphical interface where I can say, here's a mic block, here's the Zoom call, I can put in a recorder, they'll link together. And then I can send the output to different places. And I, you know, I do a very basic one, but you know, the, the software itself was, gosh, maybe 40, 50, 60 bucks, maybe tops. Um, I know that the upgrades, there's an upgrade. It's, you know, sometimes if you have a paid upgrade, usually it's even cheaper. And so that was a nice piece of software. 
Now on the Mac, you also have GarageBand, which is free and Logic, which is sort of the company up step up. I know enough to know that GarageBand does a nice job and I've used it for my intro where I want to mix in different sources. You can do it, whatever. But I was not happy with the way they were, their, their, audio, their audio cuts were. Um, I found another piece from Rogue Amoeba called Fission, which does a great job of just giving you a very simple WAV file and you can go through, you can cut. Um, a lot of times if I have, if my levels are not quite right, I can take those bits of the wave and I can either shrink, I can either reduce them or in some cases make them grow. I'd, I'd rather, you know, sometimes it's, if you try to boost your audio too much, you'll hear a bunch of hissing, but you know, for the most part, it does pretty nice. And, and I'll go through, I'll usually try to massage the audio. So that way there's more of a consistent you know, audio tone, you know, audio level to them. And I know there's software, there's some software out there you could purchase. You can get really into this if you want to, and it'll try to level things out. But sometimes I'll go back through if there's time and, and try to level things out, maybe take out some major hiccups here or there. I know that, you know, if somebody had to take a break or, you know, we, you hear some shuffling. I know there was one instance where Dave was trying to show me something. There was a little bit of, you know, wrestling around. So take that out. Um, there's even some software out there. I think it's called isotope. Uh, this is a high, this is a, you know, higher in one, like, let's say you had an interview where it was a lot of hum, you know, you can get, sometimes you can get these audio, you know, plugins or software that you could take a file and it would, it could isolate on a particular frequency and remove that. I mean, that's, those are the people who are making money doing this. The people who are not like me, um, I want to do it very quick and very easy. And, you know, I don't want to have to suffer through a lot of tools. Um, audacity was nice to, I use audacity to assemble. You can, you can record on audacity. You can do it two track. Um, but what I like is audacity has a nice tool to take, you know, a two track recording stereo, make it mono select, you know, tracks to mono, combine them to mono. Good. Why, why do we do mono? Because of file size. Stereo is nice. Some people do it, but you know, now in the case of unlimited, you know, bandwidth, you can get, you can download two or 300 meg files, but you know, usually it's just easier on people if you just make Not it mono. Not when you live in cow country like we do. <laughs> you still can't. Exactly. So, I, you know, you, you try to make your, your files small. But um, so Audacity I use to assemble. Um, and they've really taken some pages from GarageBand as far as like the bits. Because if I want to put in a promo, if I want to put in, if I've got some pre-produced stuff, I can move stuff on the timeline fairly what easy. The, what about the Adobe software? You've got, uh, what is it, Premiere or something like that? You can. I know people do um, looks Adobe Premiere or Audition. Um, once that again, I think it's Premiere, and then you've got uh, Rush or something like that. Which I, I mean, I haven't tried any of them, but I, I my suggestion with a lot of folks is try the free stuff first. I mean, even in Anchor, right? The app, and we we talked yes. about that before. Yes. You can edit. You know, I think it depends upon the size of screen. But it's really, um, I, I took a look at it actually for my own audio. Finally, I had my son do the uh, the audio mm -hmm. part, but um, and he used Audacity actually, if I remember right. Uh, but the things in in audit in um, uh, the anchor yeah, app, anchor, um, yeah, they, they don't look all that. I mean, if I was going to put time into learning something, I'd rather learn something that you could actually basically use you know it didn't look all that friendly to be and anchor also has you can do that on the website as well they do have yeah. some uh, tools there to do it and i know even my daughter who is in a podcast club 
um, they were doing, they use Chromebooks. And so they have, there was a site that allowed them to, you know, it, it was giving them tracks because their particular little podcast, they have like a, a group of kids and what they'll do is once they record, they'll go back through and add backgrounds like a PowerPoint and they'll add text to it. So when pe- someone's talking, you can actually see what they're saying. She was showing me what I was, and I'm like, these are, this is amazing. Um, and it's all within a website. And I do know that, you know, like if you look hard enough, there are web-based tools, even within Chrome, or if even you have a Chromebook, but it's one of those where for me, it was easy because I had a classical training and I've seen enough wave files to kind of know what I need to do. And I don't, like I said, I don't tend to suffer over-engineered tools. And I want to, you know, so I don't mind paying for the stuff from Rogue Amoeba because I'm on a Mac uh, and it's very easy. And I generally, the only thing is I'll wait until if there's a new version of the OS, totally wait until they're done updating uh, and they're compatible with. You do not, you know, one thing I would say, I don't care whether you're on a PC or on Mac, if you've got a process in place, a workflow, and a new version of Windows comes out or something like that. I'm like, you wait until, don't be the first on your block, kids, to update. No, 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 no. That's bad. I really, I really, off, um, just jumping off what you said about, you know, try the free ones first and all that. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for getting getting a setup um, affordably? Sure. You know, like green screen and things like that. So the one thing I would say is I started off. Um, What's amazing too is that the the progression of inexpensive mics, we've really they've really and especially you know like during the pandemic that just bloomed even more. It was doing it was doing pretty good. And so I have what I have here is a Samson mic, S A M S O N. Um, I never heard of the brand before, but actually they they do a pretty decent job. And I started with a mic that um, clipped on to my laptop. It's nice. Um, but I, after a while, I was like, you know what, even though it's a good mic, it does pick up, you know, because, you know, the quality of the mic, you know, the thing you'll find is that the better quality mic you have, the more pickup it'll have more extraneous noise it'll pick up. So sometimes even your medium range or cheaper mics will actually be better for a a starting podcaster because they don't pick up that much. And once again, this is an audio medium. So, you know, you really are inches away from your mic. You know, of course, you've seen different mics have different kind of pickup patterns. Some you see singers do. They basically are eating the mic. Um, others, you know, you keep a bit of a distance from. I should probably have a windsock on this to to work on my plosions. But, you know, at some point I'm going to, yeah, you know, but I wanted something that I could carry around with me to podcast from wherever. So this one here had its own started with it had its own tripod and then I just I got an extension for it. Cause I liked it. So I liked it a little better closer in my mouth. So you can Amazon and you'd be surprised the different kits you can find. And you, you look at the ratings. Um, I, I like the Samson mics there. You can find them well under hundred. These are USB mics. And so they plug right into a laptop. So a program like audacity or whatever, will pick it up right away. Uh, the only thing you have to remember is when you're, when you're recording, make sure you got the right source. Cause I have done an interview where I accidentally picked up the laptop mic rather than my mic. And you're going, ah, oh, crap. Um, but you know, with this setup, I just need my laptop to have enough juice. I have a pair of like earbuds that I use from you know, my, my old iPhone and that's it. You know, it's probably a good idea if you have power, like, especially like at the Chicago non-sport show I'm going to, 
Um, they offered me a table, you know, in the middle of the room. And I'm like, there's no power there. I, you know, I could probably get by for a little bit, but I'm going to need, you know, other than a long extension cable, I need to think about power. Um, Hmm. I didn't the most expensive thing I would just good, I'm sorry to cut you off but that's nope. a really good point I did not think of that you know uh, Lindsay did you have any issues when you were at your con and you have to keep your devices going I did not think of that at all having well, I was terrible my device at the con my my phone was out of data and then it ran out of battery but luckily I had my wingman with me so she took all the photos and everything because I never think about it I'm too busy chatting to people and do it yeah I, it's the last thing I think of to take photos and videos. So I really need to get used to that. Um, but it's good having somebody else there to give me a nudge and remind me that I should be doing these things. So, and this will be great advice as well. Oh yeah. And, and Greg, you just mentioned that, that you wanted to have the right equipment so that you could podcast from anywhere. And I saw on, was it Twitter or Instagram? I cannot remember, but you did put a little preview of, of somewhere that you went with that had awesome X-Wings in the background. I don't know where you were. That was Celebration Chicago. So that, that was Celebration. So you, I don't know if you did a podcast from the, aha, Spiffy, you're, you're kind of going out with your background, a little bit difficult to see, but it looked nice and shiny, that car. So what photographers will say is the best camera is the one you have with you and you'd be surprised how well your phone um, because you only need to really record mono even if you went off i don't care whether it's an iphone or an android phone there's probably a voice memos app on there and you can record it and you know i've seen people and i've done it myself where if i don't have a microphone with me i have one that attaches to the bottom of my iphone uh, that I use an app for. It was a free app from Shure. They make S H U R E. They make microphones um, that I hit record, and you know you just talk as if. And the main thing there is just to make sure is like wherever you place the mic on yourself, like if you're aiming it at you, you do a, try to do the same distance, or you know at least you know either one. Where if you're going to do it, like you're going to aim it at them, you know try not to you know, bring it back and put it in your mouth when you're doing yours, because you'd be, I, I had that happen at celebration where I had actually a little uh, lightning microphone that I put off the bottom of my iPhone and I had it at a perfect distance for my subject. It was a shotgun mic. It went straight at them and I brought it to my mouth when I started doing questions and I was completely overmodulated. And then that's when I had to go back. You only do this to yourself once. Uh, and then you'll remember it. I had to redo all of my questions and reinsert it in, you know, in the no. spaces I had created. Basically I take a chunk of their answer. Then I'd have to re-record my question, remembering what I said to lead them into the next bit. And I'm like, I only do that once. Um, <laughs> what about iPads? Would iPads work for this? Yes. Because iPads would also have a microphone on it. Um, you could download the, that sure. It's a motive M O T I V app. Um, you would just say in this case, a lot of those tools that are available on like an iPhone, uh, you might just have to look for the iPhone app instead of the iPad app, you know, cause sometimes iPads have more expensive apps just because they're bigger and there's a little more goes into them. But, you know, if you went, um, and there is, there is an app you can get for the iPad. And now I'm struggling cause I know that I think it's ferrite. Okay. Um, and they, it's a podcast type editing app. Um, the trick is, I think, with editing on the iPad or iPhone, 
is that, you know, it's by its nature, it's, it's getting better as far as like moving files from the app to where you need them to be. Cause usually it's like you record in one app, edit in another. Sometimes you'll get an app that does great and it does all in one, but then maybe you have to get that file out of there so that maybe anchor needs to pick it up. And so sometimes it's, if I record on the phone, a lot of times I'll just airdrop it to my Mac so I can assemble it. The whole reason I'm not using anchors tools, not because they're not good is because I would want to keep the original audio file intact. Later on, if I want to have them insert commercials, I may put it up in segments. But if I was ever to move from, say, Anchor to Libsyn or another service, it'd be tricky if all my previous cataloged episodes were in pieces and not as finished files that I could say, well, if you're not going to host these anymore, I'll move these over. They didn't get migrated right. You know, after you've done this for a while, your catalog is you. And you do want to try to retain as much control over it. I know that some podcast apps actually end up you know, doing more ownership of it. Although, you know, that for most of us, it's not going to be a huge deal. You know, that is really something to think about, you know, keeping the ownership of whatever you create. You as a podcaster, us as artists, and that's something that some people have asked about NFTs and all that. That's a topic that we would like to explore a little bit in the future. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of gone off the sketch card thing. But this is really interesting because you have like, a, you know, a nerd level knowledge of of uh, audio and video and all of that stuff, as would another artist who's creating cards of which you create podcasts about stuff like that. So you've gotten to 115 episodes. Did you plan to do that many episodes? Sadly, yes. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, you know, I've done the 115 of the main podcast and then um, a fellow by the name of Greg Cass from Ion Cannon and I did um, we the Batch for Breakfast, which was a kind of our take off of a recap show for the Bad Batch series, where instead of trying to do a full recap and go over, we would trade questions like, well, what did you think of that? And, and that became kind of fun. And we did it for a couple episodes of Boba Fett and then... We just did one for Kenobi, the trailer that came out. And because he's a huge uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi fan, we're like, well, we've got to do the Kenobi series, even though in some cases doing a weekly recap series is tough. You know, it's it's tough not only on us, but of course your audience has to kind of be along for the ride. Now, you know, your, your catalog itself, you know, I don't expect listeners to listen to episodes one through hundred and whatever I do. So I treat it like a magazine rack, like, all right, maybe they'll be interested in this one, maybe not on the next one, but I don't take it personally. I'm like, you know what? You just kind of, if you go to a magazine rack, you're like, oh, that's, that's nice and shiny. Let me try that out. Oh, I haven't tried that one before. Maybe even if I'm a fan of it, I might even not even listen to all of them, but sometimes one makes them more of a case to listen to than the other. But I did like the fact that if I was going to try to do a recap show, because once you kind of realize that the best thing that can help your podcast episode is another episode of the podcast. You know, you keep producing content regardless of the frequency, but the first one helps the, 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 the others. And then once you realize, once you have a few, then your catalog really is what starts selling it because now I've got a bunch of conversations and some people will be like collectors. They'll be completists. They'll want to listen to everyone, but someone might go, oh, I just found this living set and, oh, you did one on Chris Penix. And then even for me, I've got to realize, like, I've got to tell people 
about the catalog because someone may not look back through, but realize, oh, you talked to Chris Penix. Oh, shoot. I need to go listen to that episode. That was episode 13. Okay. So, you know, that becomes a thing on its own, but you know, the trick is, is to do it with enough frequency that there is somewhat consistency there, but not feel like you're chained to doing it. Because I think people just, for me, I, I know that certain podcasts get released on certain days, but they're all end up being like, oh, it's kind of like a nice one that kind of shows in. I don't, I don't have a memory of like, oh, well, at four o'clock on Monday, this is when the feed comes out for this particular podcast. I just know at some point Monday, this one generally you know, falls out, but if not, the next day I'll pick it up. Great. I'll listen to it then. So that's, you know, with all this is to get out of the first 10, you know, that's, that's the biggest, that's the biggest one right there. So how, um, you, you, this is, this, this will relate. You've, you've got your podcast going and all that. Mm -hmm. And now I've seen on your list of episodes, actually, as you say that you've tried all these different things and all that stuff, you're kind of reviewing um, conventions at the same time. You've done a couple, I think, where you've reviewed or you've gone to see and, and things like that. Do you think that, especially after the pandemic, and I'd like to hear from you, uh, Lindsay, I've been picking your brain about your con experience too and what you're planning in the future for that. How do you think the pandemic has affected, especially in the States, uh, the convention scene? Do you think a sketch card or trading card conventions will expand in the future? Do you think they're shrinking? Do you think they're changing at all? What are your thoughts on that? There's a lot, there's a lot on that. Um, for one, I know I was, I like going to conventions because it, there's a lot of content there just from its, just from the spectacle of it. And knowing that I'm on Instagram or on Twitter you know, if you're there and you know, you have an audience, maybe that is, you're not going to make it there. So like, okay, of the people who are in my normal circles, okay, how many are actually going to be here covering it? So Instagram live is a nice way or Facebook, if you're doing a Facebook live or Twitter live, you know, it's a nice little, nice little quick hit and you can go around and you can do a, a, a tour of it. Um, I did that one. I did one. Usually if I'm there, I'll try to go around like even that one I posted was one I got right in the doors of celebration. So I'm like, boom, I've got nothing but this really not, it's not a virtual background kids. It's got, I've got, you got people, there's stuff going on. You can go around and you can kind of, you know, you can kind of give them an idea of what's going on. Um, it was interesting because one of the first conventions uh, after the pandemic uh, was this anime Midwest. I was taking my daughter to, and it was one of those nice thing for me. I was like, well, I don't have a whole lot of skin in this particular game, but it was fun to just kind of see people back. And I think that you could tell there was an excitement. There were still, there were still people who won't go back to a convention and won't be going back for a while, maybe some at all, but I would say at least not for a while longer. We're not out of the woods yet, no. but you could tell there was an excitement level there. There was an acceptance that you had to wear masks. I've been to events where it's only, you can only get in if you're vaccinated. Um, but there was people really wanted to get out bad. You know, it's like we've been cooped up for a long time and especially for an artist who, you know, by your very nature, you're sequestering yourself over a, over a board and you're doing all this. If you are doing a booth, there is that back and forth that you just, there's, there's almost an immediate sense of 
acknowledgement of like, wow, I love your stuff. All oh, this is amazing. Can I get this? And you just, you start talking about it. I'm like, yeah, I did this sketch and you know, oh, Hey, if you want to do this. And I think there's that you can really feel not only the juices flowing, but you can feel like, wow, you know, you try to put a post out there on, on one of the socials and maybe some that's not a troll, like, you know, do this. And you're like, okay, I just did spent eight hours on this piece. I put it up and I've got five likes and then this two or three trolls, but you're going in person. And although it's a little more hit or miss, it's not your main audience, but it's a potential audience and it's just people. And it's just great interacting with. And so that, that leads into, you know, you could go on a whole other topic of like the, the swag and things like that. And it's fun when you go to like major con, like a celebration or some others, there's pin trading where you have your lanyard and I, I would make pins because, you know, once you have a thing or an entity or you're, you're kind of a doing something, you want to promote it. And so the easiest way to do is there's plenty of companies out there that do real cheap pins, stickers um, and whatnot. And you can say, oh, I'll trade you. I like your pin here. Here's one of mine. You're like, oh, this is great. Something different thing. Put it on there. And they're walking around with, and, and I don't know how you know good it does, but it is fun to give something back. And I know though at, uh, at C2, like I'm listening to their stuff. They're making their pitch. I'm buying some of their stuff. I'm like, here, have one of my swag packs. And they're like, oh, really? I can have this? Uh, and that's where I started getting into stuff like that, where it's fun because when I go to a con, especially if it's one that has more of an interest in kind of the stuff I might be talking about, I want to, you know, I'm trying to, I'm there to not only enjoy myself, but I'm kind of drumming up some interest in the podcast. So I want to have something to give out. I want to have something to trade. Um, I'm wearing a t-shirt. I'm, I'm representing all this kind of stuff, but it's kind of fun because people like stuff. Was collectors, that... collectors really what? like stuff. <laughs> That's actually good to remember. Lindsay, did you, did you have that experience at your con? Were there people trading pins and stuff? No, no. And that's a fantastic idea. I think, um, I've just made a note. I think I might get some for, for when I do it next time. I did try and get some branded bags, but they were really expensive. So I tried to do stickers on bags, but they didn't show up at all. So I was like, I'll fail. But the badges are an even better idea than that, I think. And plus, it's like a little gift, isn't it? Like, exactly. And then showing your stuff off all the way around the con. I think that's a brilliant idea. But no, there were none of that. Um and I think, I think in, your, in your neck of the woods, masks right now are not uh, are not necessary or anything, are they? Excuse me. No, the con I just did, we don't have to have masks anymore. But I was talking to um, one of the celebrities who had done a con a few months before that. And she said it was masked up. And, and she said it was really depressing. She says everyone just looked miserable and... You know, you can't see people smile and, you know, and, and she, she, she was like, I'm so much happier to be doing this one. This is so much better today. So, um, yeah, no, we, we haven't got that anymore, fortunately. But, yeah, um, I like the badge idea. I'm going to be stealing that. <laughs> but I think our cons are a little bit smaller than, than the US cons. I mean, we do have a few big ones, but they're mostly like really quite small ones that we do. Well, there's not many of us here. Is there? <laughs> What's your next con, uh, Greg? So it should be, it should have been, or at least should be, there is the, there's a big international toy convention in Nashville at the end of the month. And I may still be able to get to that. Uh, I know uh, my friend of mine, artist Kevin Cleveland, uh, is a big proponent of that. He'll be there. And I know some other folks that will be there as well. I know Brent Scotchmer, I think, did one of those one time. Um, oh. That's not, you know, it, it's 
it's one of those like, you know, once we committed to celebration or committed to celebration, you know, that that's a lot of money to go over to Anaheim and you know, at your hotels and whatnot, even with, you know, some of the flying benefits that uh, my wife has. But the what's should be if if that doesn't happen, then the next one would be the Chicago non-sport card show, which is May 13th and 14th. It's out here in the Western suburbs. And like I said, it's a kind of a sister show to the Philly one. It's on a little smaller scale. It's in a, like a holiday in ballroom, a couple of ballrooms, but I would, you know, venture to say that although it's smaller in foot space, the concentration of what I, you know, what I do, it's like, it's all non-sport cards and not, you know, so Star Wars, you've got Star Trek, Battlestar Galactica, you've got all this different stuff. And not just that, I mean, there are some people that do some sports cards there, but these are card collectors that are going to this and they have a featured artist. So on the one hand, good. Not only do they have um, like, it's almost like a, I wouldn't say like a flea market is like several tables. Everybody's got different kind of a sets up of, of non-sport. They might have Funkos, they might have some comics, um, but there's an artist there. So they're getting, you know, artists are getting a little love. They've got their own promo cards. The show has their own promo cards. And so it's kind of fun. And, and that takes place over a couple of days. And, you know, now I'm just trying to think about what different kind of programming, so to speak, I can do. Like I could do a couple of live shots from there. You know, I'll be bringing my laptop. Probably I'll be having my phone and I've got, you know, I've got a banner set up where if, if there's enough space for a table, I can put there. I might make a little standing one because I think you'd find at least here in the States, there's a lot of printing companies uh, that are, you know, like a lot of times they'll have these sales on different items, whether it's a table runner, whether it's a little banner stand and it's amazing to have printed. It's amazing what you can have printed with typos, but it's amazing what you can have printed uh, at the drop of a hat, whether it's stickers, you know, whatnot. Uh, the cards has been something I've been doing lately, but you know, so I'm trying to figure out, my schedule of events cards, did you say yes yourself how how do you go about that out of curiosity so there's a couple of companies out there i use hmm? we can't get them here like the, i've only found one company that will print that size and the quality it, it's okay but it's not amazing so i'm just curious how you go about printing your own off air i'll have to get once again because i know that the um i talked to mark mulcaster he's from uh fanta tracks and he's he's the ceo of the uk rebel legion and i know that they now although they're more of a patch uh you know uk seems to be a little more on patches than cards as far as like those the 501st and those guys hand out i think some of them do get cards printed and i'll have to see what they use uh see if i can get you some information on that but here um there's a couple companies, one I use uh, called Primo Print, and they, they're a family-run outfit out of, I think, out of Virginia, um, North Carolina, Virginia. But they, they would do like minimum orders of like 100. Well, that's and I, I that's found cool. that, yeah, they'll do trading cards. They have different card stock. Um, and I was, you know, I found a matte card stock that I could use that was similar to like, I think you could probably go with like a heritage type and you could get really nuts on this, but I was looking for something that I could get a hundred cards printed. And it started with wanting to do like kind of like a business card. And although those are incredibly in, inexpensive to produce, when you're talking about throwing a business card into someone's swag bag for the day, it's going to get lost. Yeah. Um, it could be very nice and things like that. Um, maybe you want to put a QR code on it 
But the training card was like, okay, but I just couldn't figure out what I wanted to put on. And I hate putting on my face. Um, I finally found a picture of me. I was happy with happier with. So that became card. And I thankfully did card and, and numbered it. And I always kind of wanted to do cards at some point. I couldn't really figure out where my angle was. And I'm like, well, I can't do one for each episode of the podcast. That would be cost prohibitive. But if I did a certain number through the year and like, well, I'm a collector, what would go in a nine by nine cards? All right, let's do nine cards. And so it would fit in one person's sheet and I'll do highlights of the podcast or someone I meet, or if I get a really cool shot, like at celebration of that uh, order 416, they're that Toronto based cosplay group, really nice folks. Um, shout out to them. They were, they were awesome. And I'm like, that's something I want on a card. So I had them printed out. I, I went through, you know, like what was nice is these online sites would have templates to go download this template. You can bring it into, you know, your, your Photoshop or whatever your clone is. Um, I made a template cause I'm a hack graphic designer. Uh, I know enough to be dangerous and I tried it out. And over the course of doing a couple, three, I found out things I liked, you know, when you, when you see it come back that size, you see it like, Oh, that's, I don't want to do that again. Okay. That I just need to tweak that. I can never really figure out a, a, a color blue that I liked. Um, it'd be nice if I had a color calibrated monitor, like, like the fancy artists have, but I don't. So, you know, you find like, well, maybe I need, so by the end of the first set, I'd kind of figured out, okay, this is the game plan. This is how it's going to work. And, you know, and really then what cool I, yeah, actually, it's a really cool idea to do, to do short sets like that. Nine, they fit into a, like you say, uh, whatever those binder pages are and, mm -hmm. and stuff like, how many do you have now? How many have you done at all? So the goal was to try to catch up with the current year. This is year four of the podcast. And so I did the designs based off of the original yeah. Star Wars cards. So the card sets in 77 were blue, red, yellow, green, orange. So each year, the podcast, I change the color of the, of the pot art that I do that I post on Instagram and whatnot, but I also wanted to have matching cardstock that matched the design of it. And so um, each year, like I'm now up to set three. You really that, went to detail with all your little projects. You really plan everything out. Sadly. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, I, I just finished, you know, the third set and this set, you know, was based off of stuff that happened last year. And so we had things like the hundredth episode of the podcast where we talked about Ralph McQuarrie and I had a bunch of different people uh, giving their takes on Ralph McQuarrie. Uh, last year, um, Fabio Fiore from Tattooing Times and I talked to Greg Hildebrandt. Uh, not only did him and his brother, Tim, do the oh, original post, one of the original posters for A New Hope. But they did the Shadows of the Empire set for Tops in 1996, and unfortunately, and you Tim spoke to them. I missed that. I have to go back and check that out. My God, Tim's yeah, Tim's no longer with us. But Greg Hildebrandt at in the 80s, uh, this guy has mad artistic skills and is still right. taking commissions. And he was a blast. And you know, Fabio did a whole nice um, event on Shadows of the Empire hitting 25 years, and so that was nice to make a little card from. And then you know meeting uh, my friend Todd Hoffman. He's from the 501st out here in the Midwest Garrison. And he had, you know, he was in his full stormtrooper regalia holding up a couple of the swag packs that I made. Uh, I made a lot of cards from that. I made more than a hundred of those cards. Um, meeting actor Dominic Pace, who was in the Mandalorian. He was an extra. And there's a shot of me interviewing him. Uh, I was on the red five, you know, uh, we did ScarifCon last year at, um, I like at comics in Chicago. Sorry. I had a moment there for a second. But um, 
I was fortunate enough that I got to interview him during that. And it looks really professional. And you can see me really paying attention to what the guy's saying, because I knew I was on camera and I'm like, I'm not moving my head from the shot until he puts the camera down. So it becomes a nice memento for me. And it's, you know, like, I guess I could print out one card. Like I've seen it, I've seen him done at cons and you just give that card out again and again. But usually the people who might be most interested, it don't need five of your five of the same card. Maybe they are looking for something different. So the swag packs became a very nice vehicle, you know, that's packaged that I can hand out. And I do them different ways because I'm a nutty card collector. And so I do hobby sets and I do, you know, combo sets because uh, Primo has been very good to me. Sometimes I get extra cards. And with those extra cards, I put them to use in combo packs that I make that I go, hey, look, maybe this person just caught my, I do, I, I've done the little cosplay. I'm like, hey, maybe they had a nice thing to say about what I was doing or, oh, hey, I saw you on there. Or maybe we inter interact on one of the socials here. Here's a swag pack. Oh, you're not a heavy collector. You're, maybe you're a big collector. I've got one of these ones that's the full set. Maybe you don't care. That's fine. You're just looking for something to crack. You crack in a pack and you're looking at this. Uh, each pack has the nine cards, plus I'll put in a sticker. So there's a great vehicle for my sticker. And then I usually put in some real Star Wars cards um, just to maybe spark that interest in collecting. Um, and then you, you just have a whole, uh, like you've got a whole brand around your podcast. You're not just podcasting about card. Well, yeah, mostly about cards mm -hmm. but the cards the sketch cards the trading the fans the shows that are related to your podcast i mean you're touching on a whole ocean of stuff that you've managed to kind of create connections with what do you Why, see yourself do do you see yourself doing another 100 episodes and uh, doing even more trading cards as long as as long as the family's still together and i haven't been divorced yet i think this could go, you know, the goal would be to do, you know, to do it as long as it's fun. And I think that when you start this and I've had discussions with other podcasters to go, am I going to do this till I die? Um, but I think that if you give yourself a realistic goal, like do it as long as it's fun. And I think it's, it's harder if it's more than one person, because then, you know, it's a partnership and people tune in to listen, not only to you talk about what you're doing, but after a while, they want to get to know what you, you know, they get to know you guys and they'll want to follow along with what's going on. It's just like, they're just checking in with friends. And that's, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate that I have a very nice, uh, you know, group of, you know, core group of listeners um, at least, or people I interact with and listeners. Um, but it's fun because then it's a part of a community. And I like in the podcast, I like doing promos from folks. Um, we need to set up a time um, to get some from y'all, but it's fun to hear you know, like to, to self-promote because the community aspect of this is, you know, we're all in this together and we're all scratching and clawing. No one's a viral sensation. And I think it would be silly of you to expect that you're going to be, and if you're talking. Of, most of the people are actually really very nice, you know, despite what you hear on the news and despite the negative experiences you see on Facebook all the time. I mean, you know, no criticism intended to anything, but you know, sure. you see a lot of that stuff most people are actually really nice and just want to enjoy as much of the hobby as you do. Uh, I love that you've been promoting cards around as well. I mean, the other people we've spoken to, they've been really big on trying to promote and get people into the hobby and get people producing and, you know, just more variety in the marketplace for everyone. So, I mean, if we all help it to grow, hopefully it will. <laughs> 
And, you know, what's nice is letting people know, especially, you know, like, you know, having the podcast to give artists a voice, but not only that, it's like, I, you know, I have a card produced that has Kevin Cleveland on it. And there someone could actually see what the person looks like and have a card from, and then even have them sign. Um, that's what's really that's, fun. It was a great idea to do, um, you know, if the artists did self-portraits of themselves and sell it as a set. I thought I that want- might be. I don't know if people would be interested in that or not. I think you they know would. to see. Do you think? I think that'd be a great idea. But and I know I've got to circle back around with Marsha uh, Parkins because I was working with her on a card. I just need to finish the stuff up and, and get it back to her um, and help her get some of those cards going because I think, like yourself, when you're at a con and you're an artist at a con and you have these things out, sometimes it's nice to have these you know freebies and little handouts that. You know, someone just, they want to like a, a memory of that interaction. And, you know, it's not like I'm going to sell any of, uh, no one's going to sell any of my autographs or if I autograph a card or something like that, but it is nice to have that connection too. And, you know, even if it's, you know, imagine taking, uh, you know, you're going to a con and you're seeing one of the, especially in the UK where they have some of the actors who did, you know, more of the bit players in, in, in the Star Wars trilogy. You, you know, you, it's almost like when you go there, it's like, yes, there's a great, you can have a picture of it, but to have a physical, you know, memento of it, and you can take a card that they might, their character might appear on, you have them sign it. Uh, it makes that card so much more interesting and so much more meaningful to you to have. Um, one of the things just uh, I wanted to put in, in this latest set that I'm, I've finished up, uh, actually, I've got a, at, at the time of this recording, there's a promo card that's being done. Uh, a few artists and I uh, shout out to Mikey Babensky who gave me this idea. He's like, you need to get blanks done. You need to get sketch blanks done because if nothing else, you can go to a con and you can have an artist. If you want, just do a, do a rough sketch. And then that way it's a nice little take back because as you know, commissions are quite expensive and it's hard. You know, like, it's great that I know so many artists, but I can't afford any of you, <laughs> but um, it, you know, in mass, I can't afford you in volume. But, you know, he also said, you know what? They might, do some sketches for your sets. And I was like, so he says, you know, talk to, I, I, I talked to another fellow, talk to Dan Riveron, you know, and, and, uh, and even I talked to a guy, Kevin Munnings, who uh, he has Tusker, he has on the Instagram as Tuscan Trader Co. Um, they just recently sent me back in some really amazing sketches um, that I can insert as random, you know, inserts in these packs. So not only, do I have the, you know, like I have these packs that have stuff that talks about the shows, talks about other people, but now you've got the chance of pulling a sketch card and a really good sketch card. These are really amazing ones. You're creating your own sketch card, trading card sets. It's You're becoming a publisher. Uh, a publisher that has zero profit from this. There is no, <laughs> this is no, there, there's nothing in this. But what I would say is I, I much like the podcast, right? We go, it goes back to podcasting. This was a project that I could do at my scale. Like, you know, it cost me 40 bucks maybe to get a card done. Okay. I could probably afford that, you know, every now and then. And then when you get to a certain level now, I know, okay, stop at nine. Cool. Well, maybe I'll do a Patreon and, and maybe at some point, and then we could expand the number past nine. But that way you get a little help from, from people out there. And if not, no big deal. I could probably scratch together if I save enough lunch money. I got to, I, I figure out enough lunch money that to buy some cards there's even more joy of producing your own. Now that I know how to do it, I have a good partner. Um, there's another company out there called uh, Got Print uh, yes. that also can do them. They're a little cheaper. Um, they take a little longer. 
Uh, it's definitely a little different cardstock, but that's another way to do it as well. And sometimes I'll have like, if I want to have a card printed again, sometimes I might use them uh, just to, you know, because I want to have it done at scale where I've got another, I've got a card at Primo going, I might have another one going in and that way. It's always fun when they show up, but it is an inexpensive way. It's something that ties back into not only my brand, but me. So I'm a card collector. Well, like, I'll give out cards. That makes sense. Um, but it's also, I could give away one, I could give away um, as a pack, but it's kind of fun. And that way, as it goes on, it challenges me design-wise because not only am I designing the cards in the look of the tops cards at that time in order, I'll get into the Empire cards here in a couple of years and the Return of the Jedi, which I actually finished a design of the Return of the Jedi ones. Hopefully enough not to get me sued by Tops. I'd really, <laughs> really appreciate it if I didn't get sued. Um, I was going to ask, um, like this, I've, I've heard a little bit surrounding this, um, cosplayers, you know, when they, they're dressed mm -hmm. up in copyright costumes and then you put it on a card. Is that any kind of problem with copyright, you know, of? I'm sure at some point, if Disney and or some of these companies wanted to come after you, they totally would. Um, with the 501st cards, you know, these are Lucasfilm approved um, designs, right? So if you want to get into the 501st or Revolution or Mandalorian Mercs, you know, your costume has to meet X amount of, you know, uh, level. But they also do their own cards. And it's something that if you go and see the 501st, see if one of them has their cards with them because they'll go... And they have templates and things like that that they can use. And, you know, it seems to be just fine. I think if anything, I think if you sold, if you sold your cards, that's probably where the, the ire will get up. And that's where you got to, you know, you got someone like, you know, R.R. Parks, you know, Richard, who is able to get the licenses for some of these sort of off-brand, you know, franchises, even though sometimes I'm sure he has to chase down you know, certain rights to maybe an actor's image that was in that particular property. He might have rights to produce that, but maybe he doesn't have the rights to that particular person, even though they were playing something else. And so in which case you kind of hope the spirit of the thing is, is that, look, you know, it goes back to even permission. It's like, well, if I was doing cards of my own, you know, my own shots, okay, they're, they're from me. So I'm producing the image. You know, I, I've done the image, so I'm not stealing somebody else's image. Um, in some cases, if I'm going to do something, we go, you know, Ingrid has a little, knows a little about this as far as, you know, approval from, do you have at least a, a verbal agreement to say, let's use that particular image. And usually if I'm doing a card and I'm doing it of somebody, um, I'll let them know I'm going to do it as much as I would love to surprise them with and go, Oh, look, I've made a card. And you go, great. You've made hundred pictures of me. That's really creepy. Please stop. There um, are a lot of people who would not like that. I know. No, that. not like that at all. No. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Lindsay, but um, please stop. Yes. Um, so you at least try to go, this is what the purpose of this is. And, you know, sometimes I've made cards as gifts in this case and go, hey, look, it's fun if you want to go to a con and you can you can trade cards with others. And that's also, you know, sometimes it's nice to give them as gifts because, well, if I make a card of you, if I made a card of you and you're both going to be at the same convention, you got something to trade. And uh, that, you know, it goes back to card collecting and, and, and so forth. It's fun to trade. It's fun to do stuff in person. So, you know, now that I've been creating these cards and it's be kind of, you know, I, what's nice is now I can kind of back off. I can do about a set a year. I don't have, I've over what, nine months I've done three sets. That's too many, but now I can back off. Now I can think about how could I have someone else help me out, make these and make more and have fun doing it 
you know, not, you know, maybe helping me come up with designs or you know, getting the word out and doing it smartly so that, you know, yes, this is all a non-for-profit, but at some point, could you make a tip jar? Could you make something to go, look, you know, I'm going to love doing this and I'll do some of it anyway. Uh, if I, you know, if a couple of bucks, th- you know, came in my pocket, it's not going to replace any income, but it certainly helps offset and gets, you know, gets my wife's eyebrow to kind of come down a little bit more. <laughs> and then you, yeah, that's what it's all about. These non-divorceable offenses that, you um, <laughs> skating have you thought thought about possibly um putting a call out to have artists send their promo cards to you that you can put in your gift bags that might save you a bit of outlay and put a bit of variety in your bags or anything like that here's what i'm hoping i'm really hoping that you know i love i love the idea of, of putting the cards that I've gotten in and I got Dan's cards, Dan River runs cards in, and they are amazing. The the motion work does, is it Dan Riverton you're talking about? uh, No, Dan River run. He does like the, but Daniel's muddled up. (laughs) What I love is the fact that, you know, one, they were willing, you know, these artists, you know, Mikey, Kevin and Dan were willing to, to do some and, and put it in there because I thought it, it makes a nice, it makes a nice partnership of like, look, it gets the word out about sketches. It makes the packs something kind of interesting. And, you know, I, you know, you could take this one step further if there were, you know, other entities that wanted to, it's almost like an advert, right? So you're putting something in there and it's just a vehicle to, and if it helps offset either, the cost of or the interest in, if it makes it a little more interesting, then it's fun for me as a collector to have these out there because you have something about it. it. I think it helps the artist out because it brings a little more focus to their work. It doesn't have to be, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if I'd expect Ingrid to do a full-blown painting, but I'm like, if there was something that like, here's something that captures the essence of you that tells, that shows a potential collector, like, hey, there's this person that does this kind of art. Or even if you don't want to collect cards and you just want to follow along with cool art, once again, uh, Lindsay, Instagram, 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 Instagram. Um, they may not ever collect, get a, get one of your cards, but they might be able to appreciate your art. And only recently have I got up to more followers than posts on Instagram. <laughs> I, I think I've got something like just over 300 followers now. But I don't get a right lot of time to spend on there. I mean, I find that most of the relationships you build, it's when you spend time chatting to people and getting to know them. And, and if you're working as an artist all day, you don't always get the time to actually sit and talk to people. And, you know, that's what's I, I made really, me sad about getting busier. I really take my hat off to you because you are like one of the best artists that I've seen who really, really interacts with people on Facebook. Uh, obviously you don't do that so much on Instagram or on Facebook. You do a fabulous job of it and you have a nice following. It's true. <laughs> I'm unfortunately going to have to start winding this down. Um, we've been going for almost an hour and a half now, and it has been absolutely riveting and fascinating. I'd totally be up for sending any promo cards. Anybody ever wanted to share, you know, just let me know. Uh, do you have any words for people who, who might want to start their own podcast or, uh, or collectors in general, because you've been collecting longer than, than you've been podcasting, you know, or, or both, or maybe some words of wisdom on both or following your passion even. I think it's allow yourself to fail, allow yourself to find what you love, because I think that 
you know, there's, there is a huge interest that's, that's, you know, surged in this hobby that I think, you know, much like any other, the, the land, you know, the Oklahoma land grabs out there, people are just grabbing for whatever they can get, uh, find what makes you happy and, you know, allow it to evolve over time, allow you, just like your artwork will evolve over time. Um, allow yourself to do that. Don't pigeonhole yourself into something. I'd say if someone wanted to get into podcasting or whether it be blogging or podcasting, I think give yourself an expectation. Certainly you, you don't set yourself out to, you know, like, well, I'm not going to get, allow yourself to go to explore, to fail, to put yourself out there. Um, but don't feel like if you don't get responses right away, you failed. I think you eventually will connect with, but I think it's a two-way street. You go back to it, what you know, you're talking about Lindsay um, interacting with people on Facebook, whether it was just Facebook um, or Instagram or not, you know, I do spend time where I'm not posting on Instagram, but I'm going through my feeds. Um, it's more than just liking comment on someone's, you know, someone puts themselves out there, a, a, a stray comment like, Hey, I love it. Or something like that is, has an immense value to it, especially when you've had people sequestered for so long. And, and yes, it's, it's sometimes you can get very caught up in the likes and the numbers and things like that, but do it because you love it. Because if you're sincere about it, people will follow, people will continue to go on the journey with you because otherwise they'll be able to see through you pretty fast and they'll tune out pretty fast. But I think if you come at it, you know, you'll see, especially on Instagram, the habit of like someone come in and they'll like a hundred shots and you're like, I guess you want me to follow you. <laughs> That's cool because That's the algorithm will certainly not, of all my followers on there, there's only a small percentage that's ever going to see this particular thing. And so sometimes, you know, vary up your posts and whatnot. But, you know, I, I think if you start to, if, if you give back as much as you want to try to have, you know, people give to you, then I think it's a, then it's a partnership online. You can see, you know, like the, the smart Instagram channels have way more followers than people they follow. That's not the case with me. I follow way, probably too many people, but it's fun because I know I'm only going to see a small percentage of that. And there's also a smaller percentage that they're not active on there, but I generally will make sure I connect with, or if I'm to make sure I see them in my feed, or if there's one or two accounts, I go, you know what? I haven't heard them from in a while. I'll search them and find them. Oh, there's some stuff I haven't seen in a while. Boom, boom, boom. Um, same thing on Twitter. It's like, there's a communication, there's a conversation that's happening. It's different from Instagram. It's not the same, just like Facebook. It's different. So once you kind of tune into that community and see what they like, or what the kind of like people are doing, whether it's, you know, page and things like that. But I think if, if you interact with fans, if you allow yourself to a certain extent, then people will get on board with it. And people, all people like, you know, content. And, you know, when you see them in persons at con or when I'm able to do the stuff where I'm handing out swag packs or things like that, that's what makes it even that that's the gravy right there is, is, you know, so yeah, I produce sure in short, try to enjoy yourself, whatever it is you're doing. If, Otherwise if you, you won't make it that far. No, you, you will not make it past the, the initial one as well. You go completely nuts. If you, it's, it's a lot of work, all this stuff. So if you really hate it, it's, you're digging. Exactly. Your grave and that's, what's going to be interesting about you two and watching this journey, because the early episodes are not going to sound like the, the later ones <laughs> you guys will find a rhythm You'll find how, you know, like you'll see beginnings and you'll start seeing, you know, patterns and like, oh, okay. Sometimes the artist, the, the guest will segue themselves and you're like, oh, I don't have to ask that question anymore. And sometimes you got to go, man, I, we got to really bring this to a close. This guy just doesn't shut up. Um, <laughs> well. President company included, of course. <laughs> but um, 
be real sorry you, you asked me to do this. Um, but no, if no, you don't, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't have, if you don't enjoy it, you won't make it past episode ten. Um, oh, I mean, and Lindsay and I are doing this just, you know, because we want to do it. It's it's fun, and we're having the such a ball meeting all these amazing people it's mm -hmm. it's really something and it's so nice to put a, a face to the name and exactly. Lindsay and i are both really hoping that other people will enjoy that too and to to learn all the things that you have to share like you have a lot of technical knowledge to share but your passion of uh, collecting is is driving the whole thing i can't wait to see uh, some of the videos you're going to be sharing of all the conventions that you'll be visiting it's going to be fun. It's going to, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to seeing you. Where can people find me? Um, you can go to Instagram or Twitter or Facebook. You can look at rebel base card, one word, uh, the podcast as well. It's the rebel base card podcast. Um, I may eventually, you know, work my way on TikTok and back on YouTube. I know I have a YouTube presence, but I don't do anything with it. But if I'm going to be shooting a lot of video, um, you know, sadly with Instagram, you do it portrait, you can't do it landscape. So it doesn't make for very good YouTube video. Instagram but, drives me crazy. Sometimes there's it's, it's, you can do stuff with it, but it's really limited too. like, I like being able to go on my laptop and put pictures and text in and stuff. And you can't really do it. At least I don't think you can. I haven't yeah, each medium, each medium, you're just going to find that sweet spot of things you can do that you can post to. And, you know, each of them treated differently. And I think realistically, we all kind of have to give a little bit of space to the socials just to keep things going, keep, you know, engaged and find out, you know, our online friends where everybody's at and make sure everybody's okay. And, and how things going and, and help promote them as well. And so it's not just, you know, it's not just kind of wasting time. You know, the worst thing is, is that stay away from the reels kids, stay away from the Facebook and the Instagram reels, because boy, you get sucked into those things. And about a half hour later, you're going, crap i didn't get anything accomplished but uh there's funny videos about these cats and whatever they're doing these these crazy rides in other countries you're going man I, I wouldn't do that but yeah i i really they really suck you in and i'd much rather create content um but you know sometimes it's just nice to have that distraction but each you know it, it's on us to master all these different ones to figure out what's the best thing that works and you know you can't be everywhere any everywhere at once but you know just just be yourself. And when Maybe you're doing pick it. our, uh, our social platforms and work those the best way we're able to and not try to do them all. I know I'm never going on TikTok. I mean, yeah, <laughs> no, dance I have a face for podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Lindsay, do you I have any last it. words? <laughs> Lindsay, do you have um, any? I don't know words you find you don't we? when I've got loads of great tips and information here. I've been going to be going through. And thank you so, so much for coming to talk to us today. And it's been really, really interesting. Thank you. We'll have to get, we'll have to get Lindsay on the podcast. This is an open invitation. We'll figure it out one of these days. And then we can find out a lot much more about you. I mean, you're already what a couple of three episodes behind Ingrid. Uh, I'm already, we, Ingrid's lapped you on the podcast a few times. So we've got to, we've got to, we got to make up some ground here. Uh, we got to find <laughs> out. We got to find out. It's only fair, right? With you, Ingrid. <laughs> You'll have, you'll have a great time, Lindsay. You absolutely have to go do the podcast with Greg. Thank you. Oh, that sounds amazing. Thank you. Thank you again so much for being a part of this. Um, 
and the best of luck to all your endeavors. I can't, I'm going to try to hunt down some of your, uh, some of your cards that you've done. I haven't seen any of them. So I'm going to try to hunt down some of those. And I highly, highly recommend everybody catch up on your podcast. Thank you. And also stick around for the upcoming um, uh, Obi-Wan thing that you'll be doing and all of that. I mean, I can't wait for that show to come. I'm really looking forward to that. Okay. Well, thank you. All the best. Thank you again. Hope to have you on in the future. I would love to have you come back and talk a little bit more tech and some of the con experiences you've been having. Thank you. And look forward to seeing your book once again. Uh, And uh, look forward to talking with Lindsay, finding a little more about her story and best of luck with this podcast. Keep it up as long as you guys want to do it. Um, I love what I'm hearing so far. Thank you so much. That's really appreciated. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please leave a review wherever you listen. This helps people find us. All links to guests or sites mentioned will be in the show notes. You can find Lindsay on Facebook at Lindsay Grayling Sketch Cards or search for Cartoon Cosplay. You can find me at IngridKVHardy.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash ingrid.kv.hardy. This podcast is independently funded, meaning the costs come from our pockets. If you'd like to help with even just a couple of dollars, become a patron at patreon.com slash ingridhardy. Music and audio editing for this podcast is done by Victor Besset. If you have any feedback on today's episode or want to suggest a question of the week, email us at thepenciledpodcast at gmail.com, tweet us at inpenciled on Twitter, or on Instagram where we are at thepenciledpodcast. We'd love to hear from you.